I have had to do a lot of discussion around conscience in the last couple weeks, and it has become clear that I need to teach about this concept more broadly. So that is what we are going to discuss today. I am sorry if this ends up being dense or uninspiring, but I think it's entirely necessary. There is always a tension between the objective world, the world outside of ourselves, and the subjective world, the world inside of ourselves. On the one hand, we all agree that there is a world outside of ourselves, and that it has certain characteristics, facts we might call them, which are just true, regardless of our opinion. On the other hand, we can only access these facts through our own subjective experience of them. Whatever fact I may be considering, I always am considering it internally. Objective information is objective because it is shared. We can all directly observe the sky. So the more of us who look at the sky and say that it is blue, the more we can trust that it is, in fact, blue. Subjective experiences, however, cannot be shared. If I am sad, I am the only one experiencing that sadness directly. Other people might trust me when I say that I am sad, but they cannot feel my feeling for themselves. Note that the sky is blue and I am sad can both be regarded as true statements. We just know that they are true in different ways. I know the sky is blue because everyone agrees that the sky is blue. I know that I am sad because I experience my own sadness. One is not necessarily truer than the other. We just access that truth differently. If I can go on a brief tangent, this tension between the objective and the subjective is the tension between faith and works explored in our second reading. We are, in fact, saved by faith, as St. Paul tells us. Faith is the internal alignment of our entire being with the truth of the Lord. But because faith is necessarily internal, it is necessarily subjective, it can never be proven. Only I can observe my faith directly. Works, however, are objective because they can be observed directly by everyone. Hence the challenge of St. James at the end of our reading. He says, demonstrate your faith to me without works. Well, we may not realize it's impossible to do that. It is impossible to demonstrate our faith to somebody without works. He's giving an impossible challenge. And then he responds, And I will demonstrate my faith to you from my works. This is the only way faith can be demonstrated. Both are the same movement. Faith is the internal alignment of our entire self with God, and works is the external alignment of our entire self with God. If we ever want faith to be provable, it is only provable through our works. 
even though they're the same movement, internal and external. Conscience, then, is a concept that comes up when we talk about the internal and the external as regards to morality. Objectively, outside of ourselves, we can know what is good and what is evil by looking to four external sources. The first source is the natural law, that is, our inferences about good and evil from studying the plan of our Creator built into creation itself. The second source is the self-revelation of God given to us in the Scriptures. The third source is the teachings of the Church, guided by the Holy Spirit. And the fourth source is the examples and writings of the saints. Subjectively, however, we can also learn about good and evil by looking inside ourselves to our consciences, our internal voices of moral authority. The Church is actually very optimistic about our consciences, teaching that at their best, by default, they are an accurate reflection of the voice of God speaking to our hearts. And because God cannot contradict himself, the Church generally assumes that the object of truth from the natural law, the scriptures, the Church, and the saints, is by default in accord with the subjective truth that we find in our consciences. Both should be the true voice of God. Now, I need to take a moment and note, the stakes here are a little bit higher than just general knowledge. I'm talking about knowledge of good and evil. But good and evil are unique because they compel action. Knowledge of good and evil requires us, then, to do the good and avoid the evil. We're talking about more than general knowledge. We're talking about something deeper with higher stakes. So, with something deeper, with higher stakes, why do we need two sources of truth, internal and external? One answer is that the objective sources of truth can generally only deal with broad, universal ideas. Because only broad, universal ideas are equally accessible to all people. The scriptural admonition that we must serve the poor, for example, is very broad and rarely goes into the specifics of societal structures, governmental decisions, or economic policies. The subjective realm of conscience is where we take these broad, universal truths we internalize them, and then we apply them to the specific situations. In both cases, we are, hopefully, listening to the voice of God, sometimes as he speaks to all humanity objectively, and sometimes as he speaks to our own hearts subjectively. It's the subjective, however, that has the special role of compelling action. Knowing the good and bad outside of ourselves doesn't compel action. It is our conscience, that internal voice of truth, that compels us to act, to do the good and avoid the evil. Unfortunately, and one of the reasons we're talking about this today, is because there are situations in which objective and subjective moral truths seem to conflict. 
We all know Catholics, or we might even ourselves be Catholics, who believe that they personally must act in a way contrary to the truths of the natural law, the scriptures, the church, and the saints. How do we think about such situations? Well, first, we do have to state that according to our faith, the scriptures and the teachings of the church are infallible. They are guided and protected by the Holy Spirit from error. So, if we find ourselves in conflict with an infallible teaching, then it's our obligation to try to reform our conscience, to try to reform ourselves so that we are in accord with the infallible teachings of the Scriptures and the Church. That's our first obligation. However... There are situations in which someone is completely unable to reform their conscience. No matter how much they study, no matter how much they pray, their conscience cannot get behind the teachings of the scriptures or the church. Many times, this is the result of a deeper personal choice, like the choice I see all the time to trust a political party more than we trust the church. However, occasionally it is not the result of a choice. It is not something that somebody has chosen. I think of victims of clergy abuse, for example, who have an emotional block to trusting the church. They just can't get to a place where they would trust the church through no fault of their own. In either case, if someone cannot reform their subjective truth to be in accord with objective truth, then things get a little weird because the obligations on the subject and the object end up being different. Both obligations begin with the starting point that we must do good and avoid evil. That's true for everybody all the time, always. Subjectively, inside ourselves, this means that if a person is absolutely convinced that something is evil, they must avoid it even if the thing itself is not evil. So, for example, if a person is absolutely convinced that serving the poor is evil, then they cannot serve the poor, because if they were to do so, they would voluntarily choose to do something that they believe is evil. We cannot ever choose evil, even if we are completely mistaken about the nature of evil. And we cannot ever avoid good, even if we are completely mistaken about the nature of what is good. In this sense, the Church is always on the side of conscience rights, because we can never force someone to do something that they themselves consider to be evil. However, like I said, there are conflicting obligations. That's the obligation on the subject, on the individual, with their internal life. There is a conflicting obligation on the objective, on those outside of the person. The conscience is not a get-out-of-jail-free card that allows us to do whatever we want. Even if the person themselves is obligated to follow their conscience, this does not change the nature of objective truth. Those responsible for that person, like their families, friends, or pastors, are still obligated to try to bring that person back into accord with objective truth. If a person believes serving the poor is evil, then the rest of us are obligated to try to convince them otherwise. 
That is, to convert them back to the teachings of the natural law, the scriptures, the church, and the saints. These conflicting obligations, this complication, is why church teaching is so often misrepresented on the subject of conscience. The church recognizes, understands, and even teaches the personal obligation to follow one's own conscience even while the church herself may simultaneously punish or even excommunicate someone in an attempt to reform their malformed conscience. Conscience rights must be respected because we can never force someone to do something they consider to be evil, but those rights do not mean that conscience will be without consequence inside or outside of the church. I don't have time to explore the practical implications of all of this. I'm happy to talk to any of you offline about that. Instead, I want to finish by emphasizing once again that the default Catholic assumption is that the objective and the subjective are in accord with each other and are working together for the good. That's how God created things to be. He does not desire that we should live in a constant tension. The teachings of the faith and the individual conscience are both assumed, until proven otherwise, to be accurate reflections of the voice of God in a person's life, because that is what God created them to be and to do. Conflict is a corruption due to sin. We are made for harmony. And when our internal truths match our external truths, when our works reflect our faith, when our consciences match the teachings of the church, that harmony flowers and it fulfills us. That harmony sets us free to live a truly beautiful human life, inside and out.